Our scripture reading this this morning comes from 1 John chapter 5. First John 5, we'll read the verses 1 through 13. We've been working through the letters of of John during our Lord's Supper celebration. Last time we celebrated, a couple months ago, we looked at verses 1 through 5, and our focus uh, this morning will be verses 6 through 13. But we'll read to have it in context, beginning in verse 1. 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and, and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that He is born concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So far, the reading of God's Word. As As mentioned, the text to which we want to give our attention is 1 John 5, the verses 6 through 13. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to the table of the Lord, the Apostle John would have us come with confidence. That's the real theme of the text that's before us us this morning, uh, that we would come with confidence. You look especially at verse 13 of of our text. Uh, He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You see it again also in verse 11. He wants to emphasize the testimony of the Spirit and says, This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. John would have us come then this morning with confidence to the Lord's table. We want to receive the words of of our text as words of encouragement from the Apostle John towards those, towards us who believe. 
Now, this text is built upon the previous verses we looked at two months ago. I don't imagine they're as fresh in your mind as they are in mine, having had the opportunity to to review them in some detail. Uh, But in those verses, John had urged us to love one another, but not with any kind of love, but with the righteous love of God. Uh, A love that is righteous, that is to say, a love that pursues the righteousness of one another. Uh, He defines love as obedience to the commands of God. Uh, That's the kind of love that we also have for one another, loving one another, desiring one another's righteousness. Uh, And in those verses, he encouraged us that such love, though it may seem impossible to us, is in fact within our reach. Why? Because we've overcome the world. That is, all the desires within us that pull us away from that kind of love have been overcome by our faith. Uh, And that's how he finishes that last uh, section. He says, this is the faith that has, or or, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Uh, and, And then he says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That faith, that belief is our victory over against the world. So now in this text, John would have us spend some more time thinking about that faith, and especially about that conviction that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, What does that mean when we say that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, the phrase Son of God, as we saw not that long ago in our catechism study, the phrase Son of God is used uh, in many places in Scripture, and it's used interchangeably with the phrase or with the title Christ. Uh, When you call someone Christ, the implication is he is the Son of God. Uh, When you call him Son of God, that means he is the Christ. It was understood by the Jews that the Christ was called, though they did not understand fully why, but that he was called the Son of God. Uh, it was a biblical way of speaking. Uh, many, of the, many of the biblical messianic texts speak of the Christ uh, in divine terms, as God himself, yet also coming from God. So the phrase Son of God uh, is, is very uh, natural to use uh, of, of the Christ. Uh, so that's what, what John is talking about here. Uh, when he says that he is the, that that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, it's simply to say he is the Christ. But John wants to tell us some more things about this Christ, the Son of God. Uh, here's what he says: uh, John, First John five verse six. He is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus is the Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. Now you try and interpret that one. Uh, What does John mean by that? Uh, There are just about as many interpretations of this verse as there are interpreters. Uh, uh, There's an endless uh, amount of of interpretations. Uh, This morning we're going to try our best to take what seems to be the clearest route in understanding what John is talking about. What does it mean when he says he is the one, that is, Christ is the one, who came by water? 
Well, coming by water it seems to be a, a reference to human birth, uh, his birth into this world. Uh, just to give one example, Jesus says to Nicodemus in, in John chapter f- uh, 3, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, so water, coming by water, seems to be an allusion to the, the amniotic fluid or, or a way of speaking about human birth, being born of woman. Uh, So when John says that Jesus is the one who came by water, what's he saying? He's saying this is the Messiah who was born of woman, uh, who who was born into the line of David, who was born as a man, as Scripture had foretold. Uh, That's what the Jews hoped in. That's what the Jews had waited for. In fact, that's what uh, unbelieving Jews are still waiting for, the Messiah to be born of water, to be born as flesh. But now John says more than just that, that he was born of water, because we as Christians understand also what the Messiah came to do. Uh, This is the one, John says, who also came by blood. Uh, Blood can only possibly refer to the death of Christ, the bloody death on the cross, the shedding of of his blood. Uh, And especially, we we think about the the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament sacrifices, the shedding of blood, indeed the river of blood that flowed out from from the temple. we, we think of phrases, too, like, like the blood of the covenant, a, an Old Testament phrase, uh, which, which Jesus himself actually used in the institution of the Lord's Supper. This is the blood of the covenant, he said, of, of the cup. Uh, so what does it mean that he is the one who came by blood? He's the one, John is saying, who came to fulfill all that the Old Testament law, all that the rituals pointed forward to, that declared this is the work of the Messiah to shed His blood for our sins. Uh, So, uh, what's John's point? That Jesus is the Christ, the one who came by water, as the Scriptures had had promised, but but who also came by blood to do what the Scripture said the Messiah was going to do. Uh, We understand more of the Messiah than the Jews understand. They get the water part, uh, that he'll be born of of woman, that he'll be born as man. They don't get that the Messiah came by blood, that he came to die. Now, uh, you might ask uh, if, if indeed this is what John meant by water and blood. Why didn't John just say so? Why didn't he just say the Messiah born of woman and the Messiah who came to die? Wouldn't that be uh, a lot more straightforward? Well, there are several reasons that John uses the symbolic language of water and blood. Uh, For one, he assumes that we know the scriptures, that we get what water means, and we get what blood alludes to. Uh, These are biblical themes that are worked on and elaborated on by the scriptures themselves. So he assumes we know that, and it's not so convoluted to us. But also, these symbolic images, water and blood, carry even greater significance to the Christian, because by them, John also alludes to the two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, the water of baptism and the blood 
of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the water of baptism, like, like the water by which Jesus was born, is, the, is our birth into the covenant. It takes the place of circumcision given to those born into the covenant or added into uh, the covenant. And the blood represented here by the Lord's Supper is the sacrifice that makes the atonement for our sins in our good standing within this covenant. Now, I'm not being fancy or creative here by, by drawing a line to, to the, the two sacraments. This is, in fact, the, the oldest and the most common interpretation of these verses, uh, this reference to water and blood, uh, because water and blood carry that obvious significance to the Christian, uh, our, our baptism and the Lord's Supper. And, and we, can, we can say that with all the more confidence because John, out of all of the apostles, John is the one who works on these sacramental themes more than anyone else. Uh, the, the Gospel of John is just built with allusions and references to both baptism and, and the Lord's Supper. Just to give a couple of examples, think of John 4. Uh, where, where Jesus is talking to the, the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, and, and he, he asks for, for water. Uh, and, and, and Jesus explains that he himself is the one who gives the water that leads to eternal life. Uh, John is building on a sacramental idea here. Uh, or think of John 6, where Jesus says to the Jews, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. An obvious reference to the sacrament. John is building on this sacramental language. Uh, putting the two together, think too of, of John 19, where John is the only uh, gospel writer who, who tells the story of how the Romans pierced Jesus' side and outflowed blood and water. Uh, he, he puts these two sacraments uh, together. Uh, John is famous for this, for building on sacramental themes. Virtually every chapter of, of his gospel does this. Uh, it's why, why the gospel of John was by far the most popular in the ancient church uh, among the early Christians because they saw these allusions to, to the sacraments. Uh, the, the, the gospel of John was preached as they celebrated uh, these, these sacraments. Uh, and so that, it's not fancy or creative to say that's what John is also alluding to here. Uh, both the water of our baptism and the blood of the Lord's Supper. Uh, so if we understand the water to refer not only to Jesus' birth, His human birth, uh, but also our baptism into Him. And the blood is referring not just to Jesus' sacrificial death, but also to the sacrament by which we remember his sacrificial death, uh, we also then see the tremendous importance of the third witness that John also cites, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the Spirit is the gift that accompanies Christian baptism. When we are baptized, we are given the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist had said of Jesus in, in John uh, chapter, chapter 1, I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Spirit. Or as Peter said in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost to the Jews, uh, asking, brothers, what shall we do? Uh, Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is the gift that the Father had promised to those who are baptized into the name of the Son. Uh, so John cites this as a third witness. Uh, the Spirit 
given to us at baptism, uniting us to Christ also as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, And and so he, uh, together with and standing behind the two sacraments, serves as a third witness. A witness to what? A witness to the fact that we have eternal life. That's what John said is why he's writing this. I write this so that you may know that you have eternal life. We have three witnesses of that. We have our baptism that points to Jesus' birth and unites us to him in the new covenant. We have the supper that that points to Jesus' death and unites us with Christ in his death. And we have the Holy Spirit who ties us to Christ, who holds us to Christ and stands behind both of these two sacraments. Uh, That's the the testimony uh, that the Spirit gives. Not only that Jesus is the Christ, in fulfillment of the Scriptures, born of woman, born by water, as the Scriptures had promised, uh, but also uh, that He died, as the Scriptures had foretold, and that we, in baptism, are united to Him, and that we, in the Supper, are united to His death. Uh, The Spirit is the testimony, both to the truth of who Jesus is, and the fact that we are united to Him. So let's sum up then what John is is saying here. What is the faith that overcomes the world? What is the conviction uh, that, that overcomes the world? It is that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. The one who came by water, born of woman. The one who came by blood, dying for our sins. And who gives us the promised gift of the Holy Spirit to unite us to Him forever. And testifies to us concerning the truth. Of all these things. Uh, so John says there are three witnesses the water, the blood, and the Spirit uh, that all testify to us both that Jesus is the Christ and that we are united to him. And he says all these three witnesses agree in their testimony. If the law of Moses required two or three witnesses, well, we have the strongest case. We have three witnesses who all fully agree. And in addition to that, John reminds us, these three witnesses are not just human witnesses as the law of Moses required. They're divine witnesses. God is the one who said, the Messiah will come, born of woman. God is the one who said, the Messiah will die, shedding his blood for our sins. And God is the one who now dwells within our very hearts, testifying to us concerning these things. So we have a threefold divine witness proclaiming the truth of Christ. That's pretty good reason for confidence as we come to the table of the Lord. So come, brothers and sisters, come with confidence. Confidence that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and confidence that we, united to Him, have eternal life with Him. Come with confidence to the table of Jesus the Christ. Amen.